Good evening. I am glad to see everyone here tonight. I am glad to be here tonight. Maybe a little nervous. Brother Billy Joe asked me if I would mind filling in on this date. He asked me a few weeks ago. He gave me plenty of time to get ready. And uh, I said, I'll do anything you need me to do except lead singing. And if you've ever heard me try that, you'll understand why. So I will gladly stand before you and try to present a lesson that hopefully we can all get something from it and find an application in our everyday lives. And I want to say that we've only been at this congregation a very short time, and we certainly appreciate everyone here and how friendly you are and the love that you have extended to me and to Miss Tammy and included us in everything that you possibly could. And we're, we feel so welcome to be here. So that makes it even easier for me to stand up here tonight. So what I want to talk about, and this is the first time I've tried to present a lesson like this since I've needed reading glasses. So I'm going to try to use them, and we'll see how it goes. So bear with me. But what we're going to talk about is ex uh, self-examination, Christian self-examination. We want to understand why it's important what we need to do for self-examination, how to go about it, a few other things involved in it. But what does it mean for us to examine ourselves? In the physical world, we're encouraged by the medical community to perform a self-examination on our bodies from time to time as a preemptive strike against disease, especially cancer. Sometimes you, you're out in the sun and you sunburn, you get discoloration in the skin, you look at it, don't you? Or certainly you look at things on your skin. If it changes, it might mean something. That's a self-examination. And of course, we want to encourage everyone to do that because it assures our health going forward and hopefully catch any kind of disease that is about to strike early enough that we can overcome it. But what about a spiritual examination, self-examination? What is that? We have to look inside. We have to look at our own heart. We have to stare at ourselves in the mirror and look ourselves in the eye and see our inward person. And we have to prove ourselves or compare ourselves to see where we stand. It's a comparative analysis, and, we, and when it's a comparative analysis, that means I'm comparing myself against something. So we want to see what standard has to be used, what that something is. In going back to the analogy with the uh, uh, medical self-examination, what about your blood pressure? A lot of people know what their blood pressure is, don't you? On average. Well, if I told you that my blood pressure was 180 over 95 and that was fine, you would say, no, it's not, wouldn't you? Because that's too high. But it's too high based on what? Well, it's a standard that the medical community has given that says it should be, and I'll argue this point, but uh, somewhere around 120 over 65 or 70, somewhere in that neighborhood, give or take a few points, that's the standard. 
So if you're too far above that or too far below that, there's a problem and you should have it checked out. So we have to determine what our standard is. But let's look and see why we need to examine ourselves to begin with. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read to you verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So Paul says to the Corinthians, they're to examine themselves to see that they're in the faith. In Hebrews 5, and we'll turn to that one. That one's kind of important. Hebrews chapter 5. Beginning with verse 12. When for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are are of full age, even though those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Two reasons to examine ourselves. One, we're told to. Two, to measure our growth. To measure our spiritual growth. According to Hebrews 5, these people should have been able to teach. They should have enough knowledge to be able to teach. Not that everyone's a teacher. Not everyone can teach a a Bible school class. But you can express to someone what you know about Jesus Christ. You can express to someone why you're a Christian. That's teaching. But the writer here says that you're having to learn everything all over again, over and over and over. You're not growing spiritually. So that's another reason that we need to examine ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves, am I growing in knowledge of the truth? And, you know, we can ask ourselves these questions, but we have to be very honest about it. Because if you can't be honest with yourself... It's hard to be honest with anyone else. You have to see, we have to see ourselves for what we are. So we want to ask a question then. I said a standard has to be used. It's a comparative analysis. I'm going to compare myself to something on my spiritual growth and my spiritual maturity. So what am I going to compare it to? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we're to study the Word of God, to rightly divide it, to make proper application of it. So there's our standard. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, he says that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given us everything we need to live this life and to be a godly person. And to be a godly person means to be like God as much as we are capable. So he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, that being Jesus Christ. So back to the word of truth. So that's our standard. 
But let's look at that just a minute. Second Timothy, Paul told Timothy to study to show yourself approved to God. I think the New King James Version says be diligent. Studying is being diligent. But what is study? Is that just sitting down and reading your Bible every night? That's not a bad thing at all. That's a good thing. But what does it mean to study your Bible? What does it mean to study God's Word? True study involves the ability to apply what you've learned. Now, I'll give you an example. A musician. We know what a musician is, so they read music. Is that all they do? They just read it? No, they apply it through some instrument. They apply their knowledge of the music. They might use a piano. They might use their voice. Maybe they're in a marching band at the high school and they use a flute or a trumpet or a drum, some instrument that conveys their knowledge of what they know about music. That's what you call studying a subject. So if you study the Bible, are you applying it in that way? A, music, a musician is a doer. Remember that. We're going to come back to that word. A musician is a doer. They apply their knowledge in a positive and constructive way. And as a Christian, we should also apply our knowledge to an instrument as well. And that instrument is our mind and body. And keep that in mind because we're going to touch on that in just a second. But being a doer. So if we look at James chapter 1, we're going to see how to apply this. James chapter 1, we're going to that word doer. In James chapter 1, and beginning at verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, and goes his way, and straightway forget what, forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty... And continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. How many times have you looked in the mirror, gotten a good look at yourself, and turned around and walked off and forgot what you look like? I've never done that. This is what he's talking about. If we're a hearer only, we're not a doer. It's like we forget what we look like. So you have to ask yourself, am I doing everything that God would have me to do? I want to do the work. That's part of the self-examination, to see where you're at, to grow spiritually. Not to be one of these that you should be a teacher, but guess what? You're still on milk. You're still a babe on milk, not solid foods. So I've got to apply this and uh, grow from it. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present your body a living sacrifice. Now, the musician 
they study the music, and they apply that knowledge to an instrument. And as I said, it might be a piano, it might be a flute, it might be their voice, but they use an instrument to convey that knowledge. Well, as Christians, we're to, to do the same thing, that instrument being our body and our mind. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's not a one-time deal. A living sacrifice is an ongoing sacrifice. It's not two or maybe three hours on Sunday and one on Wednesday night. It's 24-7. As long as you're living, you're presenting your body as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The other part of it is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not to be transformed by your renewed mind one time, but the renewing of your mind. When do you renew your mind? Hopefully it's happening right now. You're in a Bible school class. It should be happening there. You're in a Bible study. It should be happening there. You're at home in a Bible study. You're studying God's Word, not just reading it, but studying God's Word. You're renewing your mind. It's a continual thing. Always a continual, continuous improvement. Something that's big in business today. It's called Six Sigma, Lean Six Sigma. And there's probably some people here that have heard of that and been involved in it. And I've been involved in it off and on for quite a few years. And I certainly believe in continuous improvement because I try to apply it to myself. I have found a way to turn it around and point it at me because that way my mind expands in knowledge. I grow from that. And I grow when I study God's Word. And I grow when I learn new things, period. And we should all be that way. But that's what this body as a living sacrifice and the renewing of your mind, it's a continuous improvement thing. It's called growth. When we have spiritual growth, we don't need milk anymore. We need the solid food of God's word. We need the strong meat of God's word. So we can measure our growth that way. And in Romans 6, 13, Paul says, Romans 6, 13, he says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. An instrument of righteousness. Applying what we've learned from God's word. When we look at ourselves and ask ourselves these questions, can we say that we do that? Am I a righteous instrument of God? Can I... It says, uh, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. You are alive. You died to sin. And now you're alive with the hope of eternal life. Are you an instrument of righteousness to God? Let's look at Galatians 6. Some more application and more warning. There's a lot of warnings about the things we do and don't do. Look at Galatians 6.
Beginning in verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, how are you sowing? Are you sowing to the Spirit? What does it get you? It gets you everlasting life. If you go back to verse 3 uh, in Galatians 6, there it says, If a man think of himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Now this is where it gets tricky. Because we all like to think we do a good job. We all, like, we all want to win, don't we? Nobody wants to be a loser. We all want to go to heaven. We all want to be a good Christian. But when we look at ourselves, and we have to be honest with ourselves, well, I think I'm being a good Christian. Well, brother, what makes you think that? Well, that fellow over there, he lies a lot, and he's been known to steal, and this one over here was in jail for murder at one time. So I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, compared to what? Because you can't compare yourself to these guys. You can't compare yourself to the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, the person you pass on the street. That's not the standard that we need to go by. Because that's, using that as a standard will keep you out of heaven. The standard we want to go by is right here. It's the operator's manual that God gave us. It's how to, how to do everything in this life that we need to do. Every answer you've got a question to is right here. And now, don't look for answers to your math test here. Don't look for answers to school problems here. God gave you a brain to think for yourself, figure out problems. But as far as living a godly life, as far as living the kind of life that God expects mankind to live since he created them, it's all right here. If I compare myself to you, or you, or you, then I'm going to fall way short. And on Judgment Day, what are we going to be judged by? What's the standard that's going to be used to decide if we go to heaven or not? It's right here. So maybe we need to start using it now. Make sure this is what we use now every time. We can't compare ourselves to other people. Boy, it's, e it's easy to do, though, isn't it? And it might even make us feel good for a little bit to do that. But it won't get us where we need to be. That's where it comes in. It says if you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. It says, be not deceived, God's not mocked. You're not going to fool him. Not at all. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And we understand that. We've always, we've grown up knowing that. But we have to apply this to ourselves in such a way that it is effective. In such a way that it makes a difference. We have to ask ourselves, are we sowing to the Spirit? Or are we caught up in the things of the world? Man, it can get difficult. But you know, I taught a, a high school class 
middle school, high school class a very long time ago. And there were three boys in there, and they were brothers. And two of them were pretty eager to learn, and one of them didn't see the need. So it's kind of hard to get through to him. But I finally did, because we talked about sin a lot. And we talked about being delivered from sin a lot, which is what salvation is, a deliverance, and deliverance from sin. So we talked about it a lot. And I finally told him, you know, it's really not hard at all. There's only three sins. And if you can just don't commit these three sins, you've got it. You got it, man. It's you got it figured out. You're going to heaven. Well, he perked up and wanted to listen. Well, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's the three things I was referring to. Now, everything else falls under one of those, doesn't it? So his question was, well, this was 2,000 years ago. How in the world can it apply today? Sin hasn't changed. Sin is still sin. People still murder. People steal. People lie. People commit adultery. Anything that you find in here is a sin. Still happening today. The problem we have it, uh, with the technology that we have today is that things get packaged differently to where it gets harder to recognize, especially if we're not well grounded in the faith, in our faith and in our knowledge. Sometimes we have trouble recognizing sin when it is in front of us. And that makes the temptation harder to overcome. And this is something that our young people face. And there's video games, and there's all kinds of things that, especially the video games, that our young people, they enjoy them. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. But parents, know what, you, know what your children are doing. Know what kind of games they're playing. Watch them play it. See what's in it. Sometimes the content is not what it seems to be based on the cover. Sometimes we don't realize that it's, in the behavior of their mind to think a certain way and it pulls them away from God. It's going to pull them away from this. It's going to pull them away from the things you're trying to teach them. Don't be deceived. It's there. It's hard to recognize sometimes. And it, it's hard for us when temptation is there and we feel like we're just beat down and I don't know if I'm going to be able to overcome this or not. And you, but that's when you step back and you take a deep breath and you, you evaluate how strong is your faith. Because this is what this is about. Well, your, this self-examination is for our own good. And it's something you have to do. I can't do it for you. You've got to do your own. I have to do my own. I can't rely on anybody here to do it for me. Because I've got to use this. And God knows my heart. And he knows when I'm doing my best. This is, used to aggravate me when I was a kid. Because it, sometimes there's things I just didn't want to do that my parents thought I ought to do. And we all went through that. So you halfway do something, carry out some chore, and then it's pointed out to you, I don't think that was your best. Well, sure it was. That's the best I could do. That's the best I wanted to do. 
at the time? Well, I think God thinks otherwise. God knows what your best is, and I don't think this would make him happy. have to use that every time. Well, it, it works. Because, you see, when you're always doing your best, your best gets better. And God knows that, too. And as long as we're trying and doing our best and doing it his way, we're going to get better, and we're going to be blessed for it. So overcoming the temptation can seem a heavy burden at times. But it can be done. We have to ask ourselves, how strong is my faith? Am I a springboard of faith to everyone I encounter? Or am I a stumbling block? Does my faith and the faith that people see in me, does it lift them up and make, help them to make their faith stronger? Or does it cause them to trip and fall? Just a question we need to ask ourselves. A true, a true self-examination can be difficult. It can be very difficult because a lot of times we're not going to like what we find. If we look 